My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. All right. Today on the show, we have Bryn with us. Bryn, we'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us about about you. Okay. So my name is Bryn, and I was married to my sweetheart, Matt, for um, 17 years. We were married at 17 years and two months before he passed away. So um, we just going along life, loving it, have five kids. We call them wild clingers. <laughs> the way we describe it is we were co-creators and developers of five wild clingers. <laughs> so um, just very, he was a very fun guy, very animated, very um, frugal. We used to do the Dave Ramsey stuff. And so he'd say like, I'm the, I'm the penny pincher and she's the free spirit. Because <laughs> I, could, I could always rationalize any reason, anything. Anything I felt like I needed, I could always find a reason of why we needed it. And he was, he, he kind of limited me back. So um, anyway, we were just doing our thing and started traveling together and having some fun. And now that our kids were old enough to first not be at home all the time. And um, he was started having a pain in his leg and he was found out it was cancer. Um, it was kind of, it was terminal from the start. It was stage four. They thought they might be able to extend it longer than they did, but it's such a very rare form of cancer. It was uh, extraskeletal osteosarcoma. It was such a rare form of cancer that there wasn't much studies on it and how to treat it, and the uh, survivor rate was not a very high one. So um, he made it about 18 months, and then he passed away. Wow. In March of 2021. Oh, middle of COVID. Yeah. Still. So we went through everything during COVID. He got diagnosed right beforehand. And then he was supposed to have surgery to get it taken out um, like two weeks after COVID hit. So I remember he had the surgery and I was not allowed to even go in the hospital. So I just had a hope that, he, you know, he was alive. Oh, that's and terrible. And then phone calls. And then the best I could do is pull up next to the hospital on the day he got released. And they just brought him out to me. So. Wow. So, and then just at that point when they had chemo treatments and stuff, I just had to sit in the car for hours and wait for him and then we'd go home. So COVID was kind of, I mean, it was not fun for anybody. That part really stunk, but um, it was also a good time for us to spend time together as family because we were all bound together. So mm -hmm. it was good for that. Yeah. Kids home from school, yeah. right? Get some dad time while we could. And yeah. What did Matt do for work? Matt was an architect. He worked for an architecture firm and um, was the lead designer. He, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was one of their clients and they would give projects for some of the LDS temples to his firm. And so he was the lead designer on two of the Peru temples that were there. And so he would travel to Peru back and forth and took me one time. It was really cool. That's fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So um, currently there's one of the temples that he was working on that's still being built. So we kind of keep up to date on that one. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, did he keep working through his diagnosis? He did. He um, was diagnosed. 
he would he worked pretty much the whole time. They were very, very good to us as far as like being patient and lenient as far as having his chemo so that he would take some days off. People donated time for him so that he wouldn't we wouldn't have too many issues with the financial side of things. And he once again, COVID was not nice, but it was a blessing in a sense because once he had his surgery, we didn't know how he was going to make it into work for healing. But because of COVID and everybody having to work from home, it worked out because he could work from home and, and provide that way. So I would say he worked right up till four weeks before he passed. Wow. And at that point, he was still consulting on things up until the day he passed, actually. so Wow. So yeah. what was the trigger for him to quit working or to be more of a consultant? Um, just his health. He, we had found out he was terminal. I mean, we knew he was terminal from the start. They thought they could prolong it. But we found out right before Christmas that year that um, there was nothing more they could really do. And he had only like four to eight months is what they told. No, four to six months is what they told us. But uh, he made it about two and a half, three, three months. So it was about the time that his health was going really downhill and he was it started to be in a lot of pain, having a hard time breathing and stuff that they he decided it was time to step back. And so um, he told them he wasn't going to retire, but that they could make him emeritus status. And he would accept that upon the condition that they came out with some cure that would make him like Spider-Man or <laughs> he came back to life, so... That's <laughs> uh, great. So, so, yeah. Good sense of humor. Yeah, he is a very, very funny man. <laughs> oh, good. So, how was his health during, before he quit working? Before that, he was great. He, we'd go hiking, we'd go camping. He, he was very active, had great health. Never, never had a health issue, aside from the occasional cold. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's nice and that he was able to spend that time with you. Yeah, we and your family. We had a lot of uh, great moments that last year and a half. So, good. Uh, tell me about your kids. We have five kids. Our oldest just well, she's seventeen. She's a senior. Just got awarded the Sterling Scholar, so we're really excited about that. Um, she's the mom and the she's the child and the parent in her school relationship, and I'm the one that's usually like, "Come on, you can calm down. We don't have to do this. We could just skip school." <laughs> just to get her to calm down a little bit. But she's adorable. She's actually really outgoing and just wants to do everything and anything and and very self-motivated. And we have a 16-year-old son who is hilarious, best sense of humor ever, um, and just kind of quiet and peaceful. And I mean, he's a goofball, but at the same time, just kind of likes to sit back and see what's going on. Then we have twins that are 14, and it's a boy and a girl, and they are completely opposite in most ways. <laughs> he's very on time and punctual and mostly clean and she's very unorganized and crazy and late to everything and a mess so but the nice qualities we love about him right <laughs> yeah and nice like, balance right? <laughs> like, oh, twins. and then our youngest uh is 10 and so and he's just very methodical but he is also very active likes to watch and see people what's going on and just very inquisitive and Likes to be sneaky, thinks that he's, you know, like a ninja, essentially, but <laughs> so they're good. They're all very, very good kids. Yeah. And have handled all this very, very well, considering, so. Yeah. Have you done anything to help them? And 
We started therapy before he passed. Um, Matt and I were also very, very open with them about things. So whenever we got news, obviously we catered it to the age levels, but we were very open so that they knew what was going on as it happened. So there was nothing un, there were no unknowns. They didn't have anything hanging over their head wondering what was happening or or what stuff meant or what was going on. So we we were very open and talked with them through it, told them what to expect. Matt actually sat down with each of them and told him what he expected on the back end, like after he passed and stuff. And and to this day, like even then, I'll be talking to him and whether it's laughing and joking and remembering things or disciplining and talking to him about um, things that, you know, expectations, he's still involved in that sense. So there's a lot of times that I'll say, your dad and I have the expectation that, or what would your dad think about this? And they'd stop and be like, okay. So... We try and very much keep him alive in that sense. Oh, I like that. That's really nice. Yeah. Nice for your kids, too. Yeah, it's been good for them. So. Oh, good. And tell me a little bit about your background. Where are you both from? And how did you meet? He is a small-town farm boy. He grew up in Idaho um, in a town called American Falls. Such a small town that he would make fun of me all the time, but it had like one stoplight. I think I think they'd just gotten it right before we got married. And just recently they got their second stoplight. So wow. he went up on the world. Yeah. Um, he's very, his grandpa had a farm. He kind of grew up on that, even though his dad worked outside of that and just became a hard worker. Just went that way. He has, he's the oldest of five. My family, um, I actually grew up mostly here in Centerville, Utah, and there's six of us, and just same thing. Just I went to school at Utah State, and he did too. We actually never met there, but we knew each other's roommates and hung out with them. We never <laughs> knew each other. And then it was after I moved into Salt Lake and he was going to the U that we met there at a church activity that we had. So um, that's how we met, but. Love at first sight or you got to warm up to him? Uh, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> I was sitting in the back of the church and my roommates were checking out guys and I didn't want to participate. But I saw this guy that I didn't know. And, I, and I'm and i a very social person. So I'm like, I thought I knew everybody. So I leaned over to my friend and said, who is that? And he got really excited thinking I was, you know, interested. And he's like, why? And so sarcastically, I responded back because I'm going to marry him. Just tell me. <laughs> Matt would tell you she knew from the start. Wow. So, um, yeah, no, it wasn't love at first sight, but we did have a quick courtship and quick engagement. So, and have been in love ever since. We still call him my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I like that. have date nights every Friday night. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. That's great. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, tell us a little bit what you learned about your finances through this whole process. What, what are the big lessons? <laughs> well, okay. So I mentioned that Matt was the penny pincher and I was the free spirit. Matt, uh, he, you'd go to the store. He'd say, we need a TV. And I'd say, okay. So we'd go to the store and he'd spend five days going back to the store and looking at the same TV. Then you go to another store, but then you go back to the store. Like he just very methodical, took a long time. And I'm very much a, oh, I like that and grab it. So um, it took a lot in our marriage to start getting on the same page. <laughs> we decided, I think it was a couple of years in our marriage, we decided a couple of things. But one of the things that we had decided was um, 
that we needed a budget, obviously, because we were living on, after we had our first child, we were living on his, we were living actually off student loans because he worked, his schooling was about a 60-hour week thing for his architect degree, architecture degree. So um, we had to learn how to budget, and he had to be very patient in teaching me that. I will tell you all through our marriage, I never really quite understood it. He'd go through it with me, and I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Just tell me how much I can spend. That sounds great. <laughs> so um, we had a budget. It was mainly he'd say, you can spend this much on groceries or you can spend this much here a month. And I'd say, okay. So I never became really good at it. I wish I'd spent more time and interest in it, but numbers are not my thing. Yeah. Would you do? Would you say you'd stick to whatever he gave you for groceries? Um, I would or? say that, yeah. It kind of became a challenge. So we actually, <laughs> I laugh because I was pretty impressed with myself. We, he said, we need to set a budget for groceries and we were going to do cash for groceries so that I didn't keep spending out of the card, off the card. So he said, what, what do you think you need um, for groceries out of each paycheck? And I said, what if we did 300? He's like, 300 for seven people every two weeks? And I said, yeah, let's try it. And he goes, okay. <laughs> I don't do numbers. Like, if you asked me something, I'd guess it and I'd be totally off. I'm <laughs> yeah. not. I'm not a numbers girl. I'm not good at the guessing thing. Like if you went to the, the amusement park and they said guess the age or whatever or the weight, I'd be like, I don't have no clue. So he seemed shocked and he's like, okay. So I set out to prove to him I could do it. And we lived for a good six years on, I mean, I, we had it up at once or twice. So I think it went up to 350 at one point. So seven of us. For seven hundred dollars a month on groceries, that's impressive. Which is pretty good. I, that didn't count like if we ate out together, mm -hmm. but we didn't eat out very often, and it didn't count school lunches. But so it became a challenge to see if I could stay underneath it. But part of it's also I was visual, so having the cash, I could see what was left, and if I had anything left over, he's like, "That's yours." And not that I had to have permission on money, but it was nice because I didn't have to account for that money. Yeah. <laughs> so I try and like see what I could do. So yeah. <laughs> it was fun because I we tried to make it a game and it became a, a challenge that I was like, oh, I'll prove to you. Um, I can do this. That so. sounds like you're great at budgeting if you can stick well, to a budget. <laughs> he, yeah, if somebody gives me numbers, but we'll figure that out someday. <laughs> but Oh, good. How has it been since without him budgeting? Um, you know, it's been different. We, um, retail therapy is a thing. Let's put it that way. Made some pretty interesting purchases. <laughs> I've pulled back and sometimes, like Christmas is here, so it's kind of got, gotten loose again. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I wish I had paid more attention to when we were talking about stuff. Because now that I'm on my own and I have to figure out the numbers and the budgeting of it and stuff, if I had taken more interest, it probably would have been easier. So now I'm trying to figure out all those numbers and stuff. And it's hard when the money, when those numbers move. Cause at one point you try and figure out the budget and then the next day you've spent some money on stuff here and there. So then you have to go back and be like, okay, wait, now what do I have? Mm -hmm. Where's this coming from? So yeah. do you feel like your spending has changed? Cause you are the free spirit and now you don't have him to balance you out. Yes. We, one thing we did prior to, so we had the budget, but then also we would discuss big purchases. So if it wasn't just in the grocery budget or it wasn't something here, then we'd call each other and say, Hey, I have to go get the oil changed. Is, are we good this month to go do that? And he'd be like, yeah, we're good. Or, so had I taken more effort and interest in it, I'd know. But I usually just called and said, are we good? Okay, cool. So 
yes, I have to pay more attention. He actually did most of the bills. So he would do the bills and I would do the um, medical stuff. I'd pay attention to the medical bills and anything with school fees, but he took care of everything else. So that's part of what we tried to work on prior to him passing. So you, you do feel like things are different now than with your spending? Yeah, they're different now. I mean, he tried to sit down and teach me before he passed away. And there's a lot of things financially that we put in place prior to him passing that I was grateful for. But um, I would say, yes, since I'm the one that has to pay attention more, <laughs> I, I try and pull back a little more. But it's also, there's a lot more free spending than there was prior to. Yeah. Do you like that though? Is it nice? Or do you feel worried about your finances? Um, that oh. is a trick question because, <laughs> as I laugh about it, I would say I like not having to ask all the time what's going on. But there are days that I wish somebody was there to counterbalance it and say, do you really need that? And I'd be like, okay, no, I don't. So that it would save on spending. But um, really... I don't, I don't worry so much about it because I know where we stand financially right now and I'm okay. I wish I was better at saving because I know that would help for the future and what's going on. But I feel like because of the decisions that we made and the things that we put in place prior to him passing, it's given me a buffer to be able to learn my budgeting. Oh, that's nice. And stuff. So it's, it, it is helpful to be prepared so that you are in a better spot if you have to flounder and figure it out, yeah. which is what I feel like I'm doing. So what kinds of things did you do after he was diagnosed? Um, after he was diagnosed, we tried really hard because I stressed after I found out he was, you know, diagnosed and stuff. And even before we knew the time frame, there was that stress. But once we kind of had more of a time frame, like there was a time limit on how much he had left, right? We, I became really stressed about the money and th where things were going to come from and the passwords and how am I going to know this information? And so we talked about it and he, he was just very organized and very calm. He uh, sat down and created a document so that I know everything so that when he passed, I wouldn't have to worry about the emotions and everything. I could go to it and be like, okay, this is what I need to do. So like the, on the thing, it told me what I need to take to the funeral home uh, he told me where he, all the money was going to be coming from. So what he would get on the back end from his office that would help support for a couple of years, uh, where all the life insurance information was at. He did all the research on Social Security survivor benefits and put it down and even the number that I needed to call and how much I was going to get so that we could have a guesstimation of where we were going to be at financially. He wrote down, I mean, everything he could possibly think of, what the bills were, um, what the name it was under. So it was nice to have that document and have that in advance so that when he did go, I wasn't trying to figure it out. Passwords, I asked forever and he wouldn't give them to me. Oh, really? Well, he was very security conscientious. So he didn't <laughs> want to write them down. He didn't want to put it in a document because he was afraid somebody would get it. So he, I could never get those from him, but I knew the password to his phone. And so I just reset passwords to things through his email and then set them up with a new email. So yeah, that helped. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, at least you knew it to his phone, right? Right. That was so important. That was good. 
Um, was there anything you feel like he didn't include in the document? Like once you were in the thick of it, you're like, wow, I wish this was there. I would, no. He was so thorough. He was so thorough. Like, honestly, he told me even what I needed to take to the funeral home. Yeah. He told me how they needed to, things that they needed to do and what the casket was called and all the travel accounts and all of this social media stuff. I mean, he was he was very thorough. He also included things of talking about like the vehicles. And he said within 30 days of him passing to transfer everything into my name because that would save us money in the long run. So he was also not just telling me where the accounts were and what money we had, but he was also saying, think about this too, because that'll save money here. You can trim back on this. So he was thinking outside the box as well on it. Yeah, that's really impressive. He yeah. took care of a lot of stuff. There were certain things you couldn't plan for and you wouldn't be able to figure out until afterwards. And off the top of my head, I can't remember what those were, but they were things that we talked about. And he's he's just said, until this happens, we can't do anything else. But for the most part, he was pretty thorough. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's super impressive that he knew all that stuff and had done all the research. It's very nice for you. Um, shows He's still taking care of you, right? Yeah, he is. In fact, I was looking at that document today and I just thought, oh, he loves me. So yeah. just little nuggets like that. He wanted to make sure we were financially secure. That was his actual biggest worry about leaving was that that was the case. Yeah, that's nice. Is there anything else that you did to prepare um, besides him making that document for you? Did you talk about things? We talked about a lot of things. He, we had been talking about buying a house uh, prior to him getting diagnosed. In fact, we had had an offer in on a house and then all of a sudden didn't feel good about it and backed out and it was four days later he got the diagnosis. So we had seven of us living in a three-bedroom condo. So we were really wanting a house, but we decided to hold off until we knew where we stood financially because we didn't know what medical bills we would have. And so when we realized where we were on the bills and that he wasn't going to be with us much longer, he had actually even said, okay, what you need to do is go buy a house whenever you can hurry and find one or we feel good about one. Go buy it, pay cash straight out, and then I'll always have a place to be and not have to worry about making a mortgage and stuff. We just have to make worry about the property tax side of it. So that was part of it. He said, just use life insurance for that and then the rest of it, go and figure out how to invest it and build off that. So that was nice because we did. We went and found a house shortly after he passed because we really needed it. And it's been a great safe haven to be able to have that. Um, and that's, uh, that's big to be making a decision like that. I know. You know, honestly, they say don't make any big decisions for like a good year after they've passed. And, on a, and I would say, yeah, that's smart advice. But the house part, I feel like that was one that we talked about for years and years and been it was, saving for. Yeah, it wasn't on a whim or anything. It wasn't on a whim. We were, we were needing to make that move and that change for our family and for their, the social and emotional and all that stuff. And so... It was two months after he passed that we closed. I didn't even expect to find a house that quick, but we did. And it's been the best blessing. Like I have talked to my kids and I've just watched them flourish since we've been able to be in that environment. And the neighborhood has been good. That's great. So normally I would say don't make a huge life decision, but that's one that paid off. Yeah. Sometimes circumstances require. We, we got a dog. I regret that. That was in the first year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good to know. <laughs> been been like having another child. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but. Oh, good. Well, tell us other lessons you've learned, other things that you'd share. One thing that we did was we went to the funeral home beforehand. 
and we got everything ready for the funeral. So we made arrangements at the cemetery and found the plot. We went with the funeral home and made arrangements for what we wanted, talked through like flowers, the building, all the little things that you would come up with, found the casket and stuff prior to. And then uh, the only thing I would have to do after he passed was meet with them to like finalize the date and time, which was nice because, I mean, in talking with them and Matt and I talking, they had said that a lot of people come in grieving and so they spend so much more money that they don't need to spend because all the emotions are pulled into it. They want them to have the best. They can't rationally, rationally think through it. So they're spending tons of money. On top of that, they had talked to us and they actually have a way that you can pay for the funeral beforehand. And then as things appreciate, like things grow up interest-wise and stuff, your money grows with it. And so you can pay for the funeral beforehand and it probably will save you some on the back end too. So that was nice to have that taken care of and not have the worry and know that we weren't making rash decisions. Yeah. Why there? Yeah. That's, that is key. Yeah. So tell me about how maybe your long-term plans have changed. Well, we, uh, we always talked about traveling. We wanted to have kids quick so that we could, when we turned 50, we could go off and change and travel and have all these experiences. And, we were able to travel a bunch prior to him passing, not as much as we hoped, but uh, that's one of those things that I look at the future and say, well, now what? Because <laughs> we don't have that, I don't have that plan and dream anymore, right? I have a daughter going to college next year and we're trying to figure that stuff out. Uh, just work. I didn't, prior to him getting diagnosed, I was just living at home and working part-time at the school for fun. And now I've had to figure out what to do and I still... I still work. I work full-time at the school district now, and that way I can get some insurance and stuff to help to supplement the money that we have coming in. But that's been an adjustment for us because the kids aren't used to having me working full-time and having to rush back and forth. So we've all had to take on different responsibilities and be patient with each other. Uh, like I said, life looking different. Like I am not the best with money. And so... Actually, I'll go back to your other question, but prior to one of the things that I did right after he passed, and it was the best thing I ever did, is I talked to several people that I trusted and found a financial planner. And I remember the first day I came in and talked to him here at Rock House, he, uh, I, I cried almost the whole way through it. I had no clue where I stood. I had no clue what my money looked like. Even though Matt had the document, my brain wasn't processing. I couldn't put everything together. And it was just nice. They took a good two hours and we mapped everything out on the board and I was able to like actually say, okay, like I know where things are happening. They were able to explain things to me. So that was a huge benefit to me was to be able to come in right away and be able to have a peace of mind of where I stood and what was happening. Yeah. And where I was going to go for the future. How soon after he died did you meet with a financial advisor? Um, he... Past, I would say I was in here probably within three weeks, three, four weeks. I think I tried to get kids, but it might have been two weeks because I think I had downtime and the kids were back. They decided to go back to school, but I had not decided to quite go back to my part-time job yet because I was trying to figure some stuff out. So I remember making the call after I talked to a bunch of people to figure out who to come to. And they were very, um, very considerate and found a way to get me in. And so I was able to come in and have that free consultation and just the time they took, like it was huge. And so 
I mean, that's something I would recommend to anybody is just go and find somebody you trust, a trusted advisor that can help you figure out your money and where you're at and what it looks like and what your future is going to look like so you can make your decisions yeah. accordingly. Um, was that a discussion you and Matt had had about getting a financial advisor or was that something you decided you needed to have for yourself? He talked to me about... I mean, he talked to me about everything we had and where the money was coming and stuff like that. He kind of had talked about a financial advisor, but not in conjunction with this stuff. Like we had talked about it prior to him getting cancer, but then I don't think it ever really came up again. It may have, but I don't remember it. I think I just, one day I was obviously grieving because it was within the first two weeks of him passing, which was expected, but you know, still it's, a big shock yeah. to your system. And I uh, was talking with my aunt and she mentioned some, some stuff. And I just thought, you know what? I need to go and just sit down with somebody that can look at it. And I had family offer. I did. I just, I didn't feel like I needed my family involved in my financial world as well. I felt like I wanted them to just be a comforting place and somebody to listen to and help with the other stuff, but I didn't want them mixed up in my financial decisions and and knowing everything and how I stood. So yeah, it was nice to find a unbiased yeah. party to help and talk through that. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, going back a little bit, you, your husband, when he was working, did he have a disability policy and was he able to go on disability at all <laughs> through his work? <laughs> he had... He did have disability stuff. So they had short-term disability, and he was on that for a little bit. And about the time that wore out, he went on long-term disability. So he was doing that. So he had signed up for those policies through his work. He had signed up for those policies through his work, and he did implement them. He was in the process. He wasn't on long-term long because we thought he still had another month or two. But he was on long-term and he was in the process of going through social security to get that portion of it set up with it. And the, I think the papers came in the mail the day after he passed for him to yeah. sign. So, I mean, yeah, there's things that we had, but some of them didn't quite get put into there. Yeah. The social security can take a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's nice. He had some income. He had set up he a bunch of stuff. He was trying to get the income there. Um, he still had some things coming in from his work. And then, like I said, there's things that were set up. So he had a deferred compensation plan through his office mm. That's that I get a check each month for the next, well, for five years after he passed. And I have the social security stuff. And then on top of that, I have my other job that kind of helps supplement that too. too. Yeah. So the kids' lifestyles really haven't had to change too much. I'm trying to slowly get them to change just because I'm like, we don't need to keep. But, like but cutting back? Nice they didn't, yeah, cutting back. Yeah. But that involves the retail therapy, so I've got to get, like, <laughs> Christmas has to end so I can cut back again. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we could probably not have to spend and then I could save some more. But um, talk, talk about health insurance. Did you sign up for health insurance through the marketplace or did you continue through your husband's work? Okay, so health insurance, that was one of the ones that we couldn't do much about in advance. Mm -hmm. I knew there was COBRA, but I didn't know what I exactly all the numbers that were going to be on the back end. So I think that's one of the ones that we were like, okay, so he had the information of COBRA and where to go or what to do from there. But I actually had to do a lot of the legwork on that one. So that was a big stress because he passed away at the end of the month, like 
six, seven days before the end of the month. And so I had to figure out what we were going to do for the following month since, you know, I didn't have a buffer time. So I opted off the bat to go with Cobra so that I knew it was more expensive. But at the time, I just needed to not have to have that stress on top of everything else. So I opted to go with Cobra. Which, just for our people who don't know, it's continuation of your husband's health insurance. Right. So it's his health insurance. However, the difference in it is I'm not just paying the portion he paid out of his paycheck each month. I'm now paying the firm's portion as well. So it, like, quadruples. Yeah, it's expensive. So we did COBRA for the first, I'd say, seven months because it was just one of those things that coming up with the logistics in general— I just couldn't battle. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know. We didn't have it figured out in advance. And so we stuck with that. But then come tor- towards the end of that, I was able to find, and I don't know how I found them, but I was able to find a, it's like a medical insurance broker that was able to help me with all the paperwork and stuff to go through Marketplace. So we started our medical insurance for Marketplace at the beginning of 2022. And that was helpful, but we kept dental actually with Cobra for until I just got this job in September, partly because of the ortho. So <laughs> little logistics, right? Yeah. But and now you've held insurance to your own. To and now job. I have it through my job. And is it so a lot cheaper? Marketplace and stuff. Oh yeah, it's so much better. Yeah, it seems to be a big. I mean, Marketplace yeah. is a huge, is a fraction of Cobra, but the job insurance is a lot cheaper than that one too. Yeah. Just would you keep? Is working to get health insurance the big reason why you went back to work full-time? Like, if you didn't have to worry about health insurance, would you have come back to work? I went back to work to get the health insurance as part of it. I also went back because even though I have those things, the two incomes coming, we, you know, like I said, I have a senior. I have kids that are taking more money. There's doctor's appointments. I mean, it's just... So the health insurance cost cut back, but it's also just a little bit more to help buffer mm-hmm. everything. And so my hope was to get a job and try to start saving some more for when for when these bigger things come up. Yeah, yeah. Like getting a child off to college or possibly <laughs> a church mission. So yeah. did you talk about that, about college for your kids, what the plan is? We did actually. That's one of his things his office did prior is... In February, well, they they brought up the idea, but we set it up. They said, let's set up a f- My529. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Yes. The My529 account. And so we put that up there. And then when they had his celebration of whatever, they put that out there and just said, look, their family has a My529 account. We would love, if anybody wants to contribute, that would be great. And so, and then on the at the funeral in his obituary, we actually had put in lieu of flowers, please consider to con contributing to hair. So we had quite a bit of donations. So, I mean, there's enough in there that my kids have at least a year of college each to to get through. Wow, that's so great. It gets them at least the first year. Yeah, it's a nice So gift. that'll be good. Yeah. And was that something you had talked about before? We like, haven't really talked about it. We, oh, for college? Yeah. <laughs> we have different thinkings. <laughs> he told my daughter, my oldest daughter, he said she wanted to get a job when she was 15. And he said, no, your job's to get good grades so you can get a scholarship. So she she actually has a job now, but her, she does, she has a pretty good scholarship. She's got really good grades. So she's able to do that. So that'll be good. But we, her and I are actually having that discussion. 
because there was how he did it and there's how my parents did it and trying to figure it out, but we never really set what we were going to do. So her and I actually, that's on our agenda this week is to have that discussion on what I'm going to pay for and what she needs to pay for and how long I'll be giving stuff and how, what she'll have to start looking to the future for. Yeah. So it's hard to launch a human into life, into yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, it is. As an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not, not, a, not a fun task. Well, no. maybe, or is it fun to see them grow up? Right. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Like I've had a lot of fun seeing her grow up. I'm going to miss her. I keep trying to tell her she can just stay home. I know she won't. She needs to not stay home, but. Is she going she's far? She's one of my favorite people. She hasn't decided where she's going to go yet. She's trying to decide. I keep trying to send her to Logan, but she's not sure where she wants to go. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Well, it'll be fun to find out where she ends up. I know, up. right? Um, is there anything else, any other big lessons that you would share with other widows? Honestly, if it's widows or somebody that's been divorced or just finds themselves suddenly in that position, regardless of the situation, I would say, in general, know these things in advance. Have it planned out. Like, we had time to plan it. We had time to sit and talk about it and figure some things out. And even then there was things that took me by surprise. But I would say find these things out in advance and take an interest. Figure it out because it might suddenly happen and then you really don't know what you're doing or it might not. So ask those questions. Be involved. Because I remember when he was passing away, like I said, he paid the bills. And it was about a month and a half before he passed that I said, okay, I think it's time to transition him over to me because I didn't know what was going on. And I thought, I don't want to get stuck suddenly with it. So, and it was a good thing because there was things that I was like, okay, now remind me this again. Okay, tell me this again. So use them while they're there. Because, you, yeah. I mean, you don't know. So make sure you take interest in what's going on and know what's going on and have access to things. Um, And the biggest thing is, is honestly, I remember after he passed, well, before he passed, but especially after, like he's gone, right? So now it's the mantle falls on me and the stress and the overwhelming part of life and the anxiety is just to be patient and breathe and just realize it's going to work itself out. It's going to be okay. You're going to get taken care of. And yeah. Um, Do you feel like, did you have a trust in a will? Mm-mm. Do you feel like that would have been helpful or did everything go okay? We had a will. Okay? We didn't have a trust. Okay. So we had a will that we set up with a friend prior to him passing. But that was nice because as we were going through medical stuff, I remember when he got put on hospice, they said, you know, do you have an advanced directive? Do you need this? Because we need to have one of these in place. And he said, oh, I have that. So we were able to just pull it out. And it was easy. Had we not, we would have had to go through the process and get somebody mm-hmm. out there and get a, a person with a stamp. The notary, yeah. <laughs> We'd have to get the notary out. So um, it was just a lot easier to have that on hand. And then after the fact, we, and we talked about like what the new plan would be and who we would want to have the kids now that there's only me. So where that's going to go and all that kind of stuff. So we talked about the future in that sense too. But Did you create the le- a new will after he passed? So or? after he passed, I met with... Um, I met with that lawyer again, and we set up a new will with the new mandates of where they're going to go and who my medical directives are under now, and then also set up a trust with him as well. Yeah. And so I did set those things up for myself after the fact. Yeah, that's good. Because, yeah, it is just you. And yeah. you got to make sure your kids are taken care of. It's like one line of defense down. So, Ugh, yeah. So, and it's good. And, you know, honestly, like, um, 
it's his sister who's going to get the kids. And so there's times that I've been out of town or unreachable on a trip. And she lives here in Utah, but she'll get calls because, like, the kids are sick or something happens. And they can't get a hold of me, so they'll call her. And she actually the last time said, can you, like, sign something at the doctor's office that says I can get some medical? So, I mean, you, we keep finding things out. That was just, like, two months ago. Yeah. Somebody needs something, and she tried to call and couldn't get information. So I signed that so they she could call and get info. You just keep learning things that you never knew you had to take care of or would think about. It just keeps coming up. Yeah. Learn as you go, right? Learn as you go and figure it out. Yeah. Well, Bryn, you shared so much information with us today. That's really helpful from your experience. We really appreciate it. Um, So thanks for taking the time today. Oh, you're welcome. And just a little disclosure, uh, Bryn is a client of our firm at Rock House Financial, and she was not paid for this interview. I was not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do, visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.